0: Our lifespan is increasing, but what about our health span, the portion of our lives in which we're healthy? Extend your health span with SRW Science Research Wellness. SRW is a nutraceutical company that curates the latest science and research to formulate supplements designed to support the structure, function, and processes within our cells that change with age. SRW's cell range line, cell 1, cell 2, and cell 3, constitute the complete cellular system range which supports the nine areas of the cell to change with age, the nine hallmarks of aging. SRW's carefully selected cutting-edge ingredients and formulations support the aging process in a way that previous generations have not had access to. Learn more about the science behind SRW, the nine hallmarks of aging, and how you can find out your biological age by going to srw.co. That's srw.co. SRW, the science of aging well. srw.co. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Uh, Today, we're interviewing the author of The Great Plant-Based Con, Why Eating a Plants-Only Diet Won't Improve Your Health or Save the Planet. And part one, uh, we looked at uh, the fallacious idea that uh, plant-based eating uh, is necessarily superior uh, to uh, a diet that incorporates animal protein, Uh, and also we looked at uh, some of the flaws in the environmental argument that uh, this uh, move will save the planet. Uh, Jane, for the record, uh, you are uh, not a a pure carnivore. You incorporate plant-based foods in your diet. Uh, What are you having for dinner tonight?
1: Well, we're having a chicken stir fry actually. So lots of veggies, but some chicken in there and uh, spiced up with lots of ginger and chili and, you know, to make it uh, uh, vibrant. So yeah, I generally eat, um, I probably eat meat two, three, maybe four times a week. Uh, Not always the same kind of meat, um, but I eat loads of vegetables as well. And I do also, uh, I believe in having uh, a fair amount of animal, other animal proteins, as in cheese or eggs um, throughout the rest of the day, because I think the protein element is really important.
0: And indeed, I mean, and that, uh, you know, amps up your intake of saturated fat and cholesterol, which, again, uh, scientific research is uh, these days vindicating. Uh, so back to the the argument that uh, powerful forces are coalescing around uh, this initiative. Uh, you did some uh, investigation uh, and came up with some very interesting facts, which you lay out in the great plant-based con. So who's behind this? <laughs>
1: Well, I think it's really important to um, remember that it's not some puppet master sort of driving the whole thing. So I don't talk about the con in that sense of somebody actually, you know, or a confidence trickster. It's more like the word that you used earlier. I think you used the word piled on. So yes, lots of different interests are piling on, piling in because they each have an individual motivation For supporting the plant-based cause. And it's the combined effect of these parties, these interests, as it were, that is creating the overwhelming con effect. So I would say that the most obvious element out of all of this, the most obvious interest is the corporations who are backing the new vegan revolution. And they may be the new entrants, the Impossible Burgers and the the Beyond Burgers, etc. Or they may be larger well-established companies who are just launching their vegan lines and because this is like a this is like a gift from heaven for them it's it's a whole new market with a lot of profitability built built into it because these products tend to be more expensive they have higher profit margins and of course these companies are going to use the save the planet save your health message as part of their marketing but people need to be aware that is just marketing it doesn't mean that it's true, and it doesn't mean that they even necessarily believe it. It is marketing.
0: Yeah, we sometimes call it greenwashing. You know, is that we cloak it with yeah. uh, virtue uh, because it doesn't taste that great. But hey, you know, you're doing your part for the environment.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. And then so you have other other groups of people. So. For instance, the media is a really interesting one because um, over here we have um, a newspaper called The Guardian, and, and it's available. Uh, a lot of people read that. paper. Very influential very, worldwide, yeah. Very influential. Now, people will notice if they read it a lot that there's quite a lot of anti livestock coverage there. So it generally leans towards the plant based message. There is occasionally a feature on a farmer, which is which is positive, but mostly it's anti. Anti farming, anti livestock, anti meat. And um, it might surprise people to know that this, um, that the the paper is funded, has received over $2 million in funding from the OPP, which is a, a sort of animal welfare philanthropy organization. Mm. It also receives money from the Bill and, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation so and other sources too. So these are not unbiased sources, and therefore the funding is not unbiased, and therefore the stories are not unbiased. And even though the paper is really quite transparent in, in the sense of acknowledging this, you do have to dig all the deep to get that acknowledgement. You have to follow... Follow the leads, follow the money, as people say. And I don't think everybody is doing that. And therefore, they're under the impression that what they're getting is a completely objective view of livestock and meat um, and its impact on the world. And really, there there couldn't be nothing further
0: from the truth. I mean, after all, these these foods are uh, a version of ultra-processed foods uh, that have a veneer of health benefits, but uh, what they basically are constituted of uh, a relatively cheap plant ingredients uh, that then can be amped up through technology through, you know, uh, olfactory uh, science, uh, and, uh, and taste enhancement, and uh, artificial texture uh, methods uh, to resemble foods that are enjoyable and palatable.
1: That's exactly right. So, and, and I think it, it's really just um, it's pretty easy to understand that although processed food in general, whether it be vegan processed food or normal processed food, has a lot of um, extraneous ingredients in it, uh, a lot of chemical ingredients, a lot of fabricated industrialized ingredients, the vegan food will have even more of those because they cannot use any of the other more um natural things natural fats eggs um creams uh, meat so they have to replace that with something else and that is a manufactured product so we already know that you know in in the united states i think something like 60 percent of um people's diets is now processed food we're getting very close to that over here it's about 50 percent and there, you know the, the experts are warning that we need to get this down, we need to get people eating real food. Well, the problem with the vegan revolution is it's going to move us entirely in the wrong direction. It's going to move us towards eating more of that processed food, which we already know is harmful to our health.
0: And uh, actually, we can trace uh, some of this to uh, an individual uh, who we see on every box of cereal, that is sold across the world, uh, John mm-hmm. Harvey mm-hmm. Kellogg, uh, who established, it was kind of an evangelical movement, and he was very influenced by uh, the Seventh day Adventists, uh, who are a, um, uh, you know, no quibble with their uh, religious uh, orientation, but part and parcel of that is an orientation towards uh, vegetarian eating.
1: And mm-hmm. so they're
0: the, combining the religious zeal with. You know, profit motive and industrialization. Uh, he came up with uh, Kellogg's cornflakes and products like that, and revolutionized Americans' concept of breakfast.
1: Absolutely, and and people may not know that the the kind of all the proteges of John Harvey Kellogg um, who came up with, as you say, these the plant based. Products which were meant to keep people pure, pure of thought, pure of action, right? Um, they have a wider influence than even just appearing on our breakfast tables because uh, – He established also um, sort of dietitian schools. A lot of his proteges were the founding members of the dietitian movement in uh, in North America. Went and one of them, Lena Cooper in particular, went on to write the textbook that dietitians were using for about 30 years in the first part of the 20th century. And um, they also continued, and then the Seventh-day Adventist. Influence, as it were, continued through representation on the American guidelines committees. Um, so they are having an influence that religious based belief in plant based eating is having a wider influence than, than within its own religion, religious sphere because of its, its impact on guidelines and the development of, of, um, policy on the back of those guidelines. And, you know, it, <laughs> It occurred to me, again, in 2019, another influential study had come out by Marco Springman, who is a well-known vegan scientist Who, whose study um, was meant to be, was purported to be the definitive proof that plant foods were better than animal foods for the environment and for our health, et cetera. And it was reported very widely in some very prestigious uh, publications and it turns out that that study was peer-reviewed by just one individual, and right. that individual was a fellow who, who was at Loma Linda University, which is a seventh-day Adventist university. Mm-hmm. So we see the impact every day of something which is, which some people might think, oh, well, that's just a religion, and it's not going to influence me. But it, it does. It influences science.
0: Right. And, and we see that kind of ideological capture extending to uh, the medical establishment uh, and medical journals as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a big organization that has a, a very uh, uh, respectable name. It's the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Well, who could be against oh boy, that? Yeah. That's like, uh, you know, Motherhood and Apple Pie. We all want uh, – we, we, we respect physicians and uh, we – <laughs> we laud responsible medicine uh, and they have a very very uh radical vegetarian uh, uh, agenda uh, and they're they're often uh, uh called upon by the media uh, to comment on this or that or the other health study and mm-hmm. but they're really tainted by uh, a great deal of confirmation bias. I mean, they're looking for ways to confirm that their thesis is right. I mean, we all do this. You know, we all, especially we who are involved in nutrition science, uh, we tend to uh, support the literature that upholds (laughs) what our dietary choices Mm -hmm. are.
1: Yeah, we all do, but but they are doing it from a position of incredible influence, aren't they? And also what people may not realize about that that, uh, organization is only, they call themselves physicians for responsible medicine, but only about 10% of them are physicians. Mm -hmm. So it is really an advocacy group. And another one which runs sort of in parallel with it is ACLM, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, which is having a very alarming um, amount of influence because they too have plant-based origins and um, they for instance uh, have credited um they've created an accreditation scheme that allows doctors and nurses in america to watch the movie the game changers which is a a very much pro plant-based movie um to gain accreditation uh in, in their education their ongoing education system. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we have, that, you know, just
0: to, to let me interject, you know, for every doctor to maintain their credentials, they have to accumulate what are called CMEs, continuing medical education credits. That's and, right. You know, generally, it's about you know the latest advances in you know pharma you know in, in surgery or, or pharmaceutical management of disease, uh, but this passes for nutrition education.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly, and it is just. It is it's advocacy and it's it's in a way propaganda. the the kindest thing you can say about it is it's a single point of view about nutrition, which is much disputed. So these doctors think they're getting the answer, and they're not. Um, they're getting something which is entirely tainted. Um, but but the the influence of the Seventh Day Adventist Church and ACLM uh, American College of Lifestyle Medicine it it, it surprises me. Every day there's a, there's a new example of it. So for instance, the mayor of New York, yes, you, you're yep. probably aware, yeah. he mm-hmm. he's Adams. very much in favor of pushing plant-based diets through the schools and through the hospitals.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: he he tweeted uh a few weeks ago about how proud he was that hospitals had agreed to offer plant-based meals as their go-to meal you know people could get other things but they were doing plant-based as their go-to meal right. now it turns out that the person in charge of that policy in the hospital system of which he's talking is a former ACLM wow. representative and affiliate so there, there we go. go we have the link yeah. it's, it's again, an echo you know, chamber so it's an echo together. chamber
0: yeah it's an echo chamber and I, actually I wrote a, a at the time I wrote a scathing uh, editorial in our in my newsletter. Uh, About that, because uh, hospital patients uh, are Mm. especially vulnerable uh, to a negative nitrogen balance, protein inadequacy when they're healing from surgery or they have severe burns or wounds. Uh, Protein is precisely what they need, you know, and they don't need a breakfast of, you know, white toast uh, Mm. with jam and a glass of orange juice. Uh, no. With uh, you know skim milk, <laughs> you know, that's yeah, not what
1: they exactly. Eat. You couldn't get worse, could
0: you? <laughs> right. So I mean, it, it, it's so misguided. To uh, it's it's an ideological move, and you know I get it because hospital food is is horrible. Uh, so what they want to mm. do is they want to set an example that okay, this is the kind of stuff you should use to prevent disease. Okay, maybe you know that's controversial, as we realize because the mm. the 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 actual. Uh, benefits in terms of prevention are meager if, if they exist at all. But then to to subject hospitalized patients to that paradigm is totally wrongheaded.
1: It's yeah, it, it is more than wrong. It's almost criminal. It's, it's, it's really uh, it's a terrible situation. And um, the, the pe- this is what what frightens me about the eat less meat messaging in general is that the people who hear that messaging or uh, and who take it on board may be the people who can least stand to do it. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. of hospital patients. I'm thinking of elderly people who need yep. more protein and good quality protein. I'm thinking of young women who are heeding this vegan and vegetarian message. I mean, most vegans are women. Yep. Um, and we have quite a lot of them here. We're, we're vegan central in the UK, actually. Yes, we're quite yes. um, so and it's those young women who are should be building bone health fertility yes. they need the fat they need the protein and they're not getting it and this this is a health catastrophe in the making if this becomes um as strong as, uh, as strong a stronger movement as it could do as people would like, as these advocates would like it to be.
0: And they even point to the mental health uh, consequences of such a diet, you know, which is That's low right. in B vitamins and low in iron uh, and low in essential fatty acids, which we know are beneficial for the brain. And, hey, let's face it, we're, we're seeing a, a pandemic of uh, mental health disorders, especially uh, in younger women. Gen Z kids uh, yeah. are showing up uh, on medication in, in record numbers.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I interviewed a, um, a, uh, dietitian, naturopath, uh, called Lucinda Miller, who, um, who uh, works with a lot of young women and young people. And, um, she said that there is evidence that the, the onset of mental illness, anxiety, and, and, um, even, you know, suicidal thoughts is in clinical work, is often linked to the beginning of the um, a vegetarian or vegan diet because it's such a shock to to the brain in, in that sense, and in young people in particular, they're very vulnerable to that. I mean, I you know if you look at even just two nutrients, DHA and EPA, which are not available in uh, plant foods, they are so critical to brain health and brain function and brain development um i just don't know how anyone can think that the healthiest of brains can be formed without access to those nutrients
0: so <laughs> we're not going to solve these all these problems uh, in the remaining couple of minutes uh, allocated to us but in part four of your book uh you talk about uh, potential uh, solutions some preferable ways preferable ways to go about this so uh Let's summarize.
1: Yeah. So I I guess the big summary message in in, uh, that chapter is uh, you can get a long way towards healthy eating by just eating real food. So um, real food is, uh, you know, food that you recognize, food your grandmother would recognize, food that doesn't come out of a package. Um, Or if it is out of a package, it's, you know, a couple of tiny ingredients that, that you could replicate at home. And I think that that. There's a doc- doctor here called Dr. Jenkinson, who's worked a lot with diabetic and obese patients, and he calls it the greengrocer, um, butcher, uh, fishmonger diet. So, you know, you're going to these three places to get this very real food that you recognize. And then I think beyond that, um, choosing food for the nutrients that it provides um, is, is a good, good idea. And depending on your tolerance for carbohydrates, I think watching the carbohydrates is also something which will benefit most people. So I think we all, we do have different tolerances for carbohydrate.
0: Which is difficult on a plant-based diet. I mean, this is one of the, I think, the flaws associated with plant-based diet is that when exactly. it is bereft of uh, uh, protein and fat, one tends to emphasize carbohydrates. And, and that may ultimately be, be a bigger problem. Uh, Absolutely. So which
1: is why I think that, you know, we, you being a doctor, you'll know this better than I do. That we have different enzymes in our stomachs, which allow us to process these carbohydrates. And so, if you're one of these fortunate people who, who can eat lots of beans and rice to get your protein, and you're, you know, you you maybe can process all those carbs, and um, you won't feel bloated and you won't feel uh, strain. But if you're not, you're going to feel a lot of gastro distress, and. Um, that's why one of the main we, uh, complaints that people give when they give up a vegan diet is they couldn't stand the bloating, the gastro distress. It was very, it's, it's very
0: uncomfortable for people. Indeed. Uh, so, but the big argument, and and this is along the lines of, you know, the Bill Gates Foundation, is that uh, we're headed for planetary uh, catastrophe because we need more efficient uh, methods of uh, agriculture to feed the planet, we need uh, these uh, uh, vast tracts of land that are uh, harnessed uh, with artificial fertilizers and so on, uh, and industrialized methods of farming uh, to feed the, the masses, especially in underdeveloped countries. It's unrealistic to think that we can have uh, you know, pasture-fed, uh, you know, 100% grass-fed uh, organic beef uh, to feed the growing world's population.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are a number of problems with that form of analysis. I think, first of all, um, the idea that we don't have enough food to feed the world now is a, it's a misnomer. We do have enough food; it's just not distributed in the right way. Um, and and the distribution of that food is to do with politics and economics and uh, wars and um, and that kind of thing. So the idea, you know, there's there's a certain amount of scaremongering which goes with this, we've got to feed the world rationale. The other thing that I think is um, limited, limiting about that perspective is, although it is claimed that moving to more pasture-fed, uh, regeneratively raised meat, for example, would not provide enough, the experience of farmers on the ground says the opposite. So the experience of farmers on the ground says that if you manage your land properly and you're moving, you're using the, those best regenerative um, techniques, you can increase your stocking rate. You can produce more food per unit of land than you could before. So I think we need to start listening to the farmers. I think we're paying way too much attention to what I call the modelers, you know, who were who were creating these massively complex models which um and everybody bows down in front of and as if they are definitive when really they're they're just models they're models based on inputs and they're only as good as the inputs that that you put in and the assumptions that you make and we need to start balancing that out with the actual real experience of farmers around the world who are doing this and they're they're managing to create more food from from the same land
0: Indeed, and and that's a hopeful message uh, that you conclude your book with. Uh, I recommend it highly. Uh, It's an evidence-based debunking of the benefits of a plant-based diet, which you're going to hear so much about, and uh, it's a a way to push back against the narrative. The title is The Great Plant-Based Con, Why Eating a Plant's Only Diet Won't Improve Your Health or Save the Planet. Uh, the author, Jane Buxton, and you've got a website, Jane, at janebuxton.com? Uh,
1: Jane Reese Buxton, that's my middle name, R-E-E-S is the middle name, yeah.
0: Okay, and just you know, if you Google Jane Buxton, it's spelled B-U-X-T-O-N, uh, mm-hmm. you'll get there. Uh, the book is available, uh, you know, uh, usual sources, uh, It originally published in the UK. Is there a U.S. edition?
1: The U.S. edition is actually coming out um, in January. The, the hardback edition is coming out, available on Amazon.com. At the moment, uh, the U.S. Um, you can get uh, digital or audio, or you can order it via Amazon.co.uk or one of the other Amazons around the world. There's a little. There's just been a bit of a delay uh, in getting that hard copy into the united states
0: okay great stuff we really appreciate uh, your work and uh, i think you've really put it all together in the great plant-based con thanks jane buxton for joining us
1: thank you so much i've enjoyed it
0: i'm dr ronald Hoffman, and this is the intelligent medicine podcast